Welcome to the Conservation Today Show. We interview people about our environment in Douglas County, and I am your host, Francis Etherington. Today, we are going to speak with Jim McCarthy, the Southern Oregon Program Director with Water Watch of Oregon. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being on our show. The folks here in Douglas County are interested in the issue of the Winchester Dam. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The Winchester Dam is located just north of Roseburg. It's close to the Umpqua Community College. You can see it from Interstate 5 as it crosses the North Umpqua River. It's on the east side of the interstate. Jim, you are with Water Watch of Oregon. Let's start off by talking a little bit about what is Water Watch? What do you do? Water Watch is a statewide river conservation group uh, with a focus on protecting and restoring flows in Oregon's rivers and streams. We also have developed uh, a specialty in dam removal, uh, removing obsolete dams specifically that uh, impede or block fish, uh, salmon and steelhead, uh, from their from their habitat. Uh, we're well known for removing or modifying a number of uh, significant barriers in, in the Rogue Basin. Let's talk about the Winchester Dam. I understand it was actually built back in 1890. That's right. And did it, when it was built, did it just totally block fish in 1890? When it was built in 1890, it was a lot lower. Douglas County archives do contain some pretty good photographs of the dam in various stages. So it started out as a lower dam that was built for power generation for the, you know, industrializing area uh, around there. And it has been added, it was added to, uh, for a number of, uh, decades after its initial construction to get to its current height of 17 feet. Uh, it originally started as a, as a crib dam. A crib dam is a, basically it looks like a, a railroad trestle made out of wood laid on its side with a, you know, dance floor kind of construction on the downstream end. And they fill the, the triangle of the, of the, the, the trestle um, with cobble or, you know, just lots of rocks. And uh, the, the face of the dam that's facing downstream is, is wooden planks. So it's a very primitive dam in the middle. This is around 370 feet of it is this old 1890s crib dam. That's one of the main problems with this dam for, for fish that I'll get to later. But, uh, a lot of people, when they look at the dam, don't realize it's actually a crib dam because it has two concrete abutments and has a uh, uh, basically two concrete bookends on either side. You have a concrete north end and a, and a concrete uh, south end, and those were added later, um, and um, not necessarily in the most uh, professional way. Even the the, um, the south abutment is notable for not being fully sealed to the bedrock underneath. It's actually laid on top of, uh, in part at least, on uh, 
on river sediments, on you know rock and and mud down there on that side. So that side is actually perpetually uh, undermined uh, by water. So uh, that area is known as a as an area of special uh, concern for um, for the dam's integrity and for public safety. And that's one of the reasons why the dam is is um, it's one of the only um, high hazard dams in the state that's considered to be in um, poor or unsatisfactory conditions. Actually, um, downgraded to poor uh, in October uh, 2019 by state uh, dam safety officials. It's a high hazard dam because it, don't, it doesn't mean that the dam is likely uh, to fail in the near future or anything. It just means that the, if the dam were to fail, um, that would be a high hazard situation. So if you've got a dam of a certain height that stores a certain amount of water, that dam qualifies as a high hazard dam as Winchester does. And then there's another ranking, which is the actual condition of the dam, which is poor. So again, Winchester is one of only 20 dams in the entire, 20 high hazard dams in the entire state that are considered to be in poor or unsatisfactory condition. So it's, it's a, it's a dam of, uh, that, uh, deserves special attention. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're giving it special attention. Now, I think I heard you say that it's 370 feet across the river. That's its length, right? It's actually 450 feet wide and 17 feet tall. The crib dam, so the middle part of the dam, which is the kind of the largest, generally it's in kind of three units across its 450 feet. So you've got a a uh, north abutment made out of concrete. That's what, that's the well-known spot where people walk down the ladder pre-pandemic and look in the, in the, in the viewing windows there of the ladder. And then next to that, you've got a crib dam that's attached to the, to the north abutment. You've got a crib dam that runs for around 370 feet, um, down to the south abutment, which is the old, uh, Pacific Corps hydropower station that uh, was operational until uh, it was destroyed as a as a functional hydropower facility by the 1964 flood. So there's quite a lot of interesting history of this dam. Uh, it was operated as a hydro dam until the 60s, uh, until the 64 flood was mm. a viable uh, hydro facility, and it was actually given away for free by Pacific Corps, or Pacific Corps mm. may have had a different name there, might have been Oh, and so Pacific Corps is the same organization that owns the uh, dams way up on the North Umpqua River? That's right. Pacific Corps uh, owns the dams way up on the North Umpqua River. And <clears throat> Winchester was the first dam developed for hydropower on the North Umpqua, and obviously it's a lot older than those those other dams. Yes, I never realized that it actually generated electricity at one point. So it did generate electricity until 1964, from from the 1800s through 1964. Is that right? Yes. And for folks who are interested, there are some fascinating pictures of the destruction wrought by the 64 flood on that dam. But if you look at the in the, in the, in the Douglas County archives. But if you look, if you're, if you're standing on the, in the viewing area parking lot and you're looking down at the dam, the, the south side of the dam, that concrete structure, now, right, right now it's just a, it's just a concrete structure with a flat top, but it used to have a equipment shed type structure built on top of it that housed 
some of the, the generating equipment in that, in that south abutment. Well, let me explain how to get to where you're describing. It's the exit, it's the Umpqua Community College exit. And then if you turn back south on Highway 99, there's a parking lot, and then you, there's a path, there's a cement pathway down to the dam on the north side of the river, and you can go down, and they got these glass windows on the fish ladder where you can watch the fish struggle up the ladders, and then they have a fish county electronic number thing above there. So, um, and that's where you can see what you're describing as far as the south abutment and the old shed that housed the electric generation equipment. Right, but I, I think right now, unless they've changed, changed things, they still have the viewing area closed. So you can drive north of Roseburg and get off of the exit there for, for Winchester and drive down to the parking lot, but there's a little rope across the staircase. So you can stand there at, at a kind of a stone wall there and look down at the dam, and you can also walk out on the sidewalk on the on the um, Highway 99 bridge there and, and get a good uh, view of the dam, but right now I don't. I don't. I was there. I think last couple, last time a couple of weeks ago, and you couldn't. It still was closed because of the pandemic. It's very similar to a dam that was removed a, over a decade ago in the Rogue Gold Ray. So Pacific Corps had um, used Gold Ray for many years until the um, I want to say the early 70s for hydropower, and it had originally been a a crib dam at that site, they replaced it with a, a concrete dam, um, but that was that was no longer economically viable by uh, the early 70s, if I'm remembering correctly, it may have been the late 60s, and they gave it away for free or for a dollar to the county. The county believed that they could do uh, something with it, but it turned out they could not. It just It just became a liability, you know, hazard for navigation. During the Obama uh, stimulus uh, after the 2009 financial uh, collapse, we were able to, to get a um, sizable grant to remove that dam. So it's a lot like Winchester that way because it's, it's one of these dams that a hydropower company gave away for free because they couldn't they couldn't use it. And in the case of they Winchester, they couldn't make money um, on it. They couldn't make money on it, right? And, they, and it, you know, it's interesting when you give away a dam. <laughs> when an expert at making money on hydropower dams gives a dam away for free to somebody else, and they think, "Oh, maybe we can make money on it," you know, you got to wonder about that logic. And, and Winchester uh, Water Control District—that was the uh, the group of landowners around uh, the reservoir pool. Uh, they um, they took over the dam from Pacific okay. Corps in '69. In 1969, what was the name of the organization who took over the dam? Well, the name of the organization that, that owns the dam and has owned the dam since 1969 is called the Winchester Water Control District. Winchester Water Control District is a special district organized under Oregon law um, to, you know, provide services to, a, you know, people that, that, that join together to form these kind of districts. So the Winchester is probably unique in the state for being a special district organized to provide, you know, water ski recreation basically for the two hundred landowners around the around the pool. That's their purpose. It's a it's a recreational 
dam to create flat water behind it. So, so the dam then is owned by the um, uh, riverside residents who live <clears throat> above the dam. They own the dam. That's right. Yeah. And, and not and all of them are riverside, but it's a, oh, yeah. um, but there is there's a, a number of riverside parcels, some very stately homes, some of them, and uh, and then there's there's a number of uh, parcels, you know, immediately behind. And I believe everyone in the district has access to um, some private boat ramps, and there is one public access on the on the pool. Uh, but there's no uh, motorized boats allowed to be launched there. So um, it's essentially a, a private water ski lake. Interesting. Now, it's currently 17 feet high, and so it blocks fish. But when it was originally built in the 1800s, it did not block fish, and so it did not have a fish ladder. But when did it – was it when did it get raised, and when did the fish ladder get put in? Well, it didn't have a fish ladder when it was first built because if you look at the early photographs, it was higher on the south side, and then it tapered to the north side. So, And then there was there is a ledge, uh, quite a large rock ledge on the north side, which is a major problem for both fish trying to get upstream and downstream for reasons I can get into um, in, in more detail. But um, the early dam, my belief is that the fish would go to the north side of, of the dam and try to get over um, the the very edge of it. So it, it's it's not quite clear to me from the photographs that the dam extended all the way to the end of the of the river. And so we there's dams a lot there are many dams like that, right? They're called wing dams where it doesn't necessarily extend all the way to the to the end of the river. They I don't have the exact dates of, of the of the, all the different constructions on, on the dam. But we haven't focused on the um the early, you know, structures of the dam. We're really focused on what the dam is doing now to uh, fish and, and water quality and, and the risk it presents to the public safety and, and public drinking water uh, supplies. Oh, who, who built the fish ladder, and do you know when, when the fish ladder was built? Well, the current fish ladder was built in the 80s. So there was a push. in. There was there, A lot of stuff happened to this dam in the 80s. So... Um, in the 80s, the dam was condemned as a public safe, safety hazard by the state. The state uh, dam safety officials spent the 70s, uh, judging from the correspondence and the files in Salem, um, trying to convince the Water Control District to um, tear down the dam and build a, a more modern uh, concrete dam there that would be safer. They uh, gave up on the diplomacy in the 80s, and uh, issued an order um, that the dam be, be torn down and offering to, you know, provide technical assistance if um, if the owners wanted to rebuild a, a modern dam there. That was contested by the, the owners uh, who were able to um, get a settlement 
uh, type of, of an order issued that required them to submit to the state on a schedule approved by the state um, professional engineering inspections of the dam um, and a, you know in a regular schedule of repair so that the state could be assured that the, the dam was being safely maintained but as, as far as I can tell from the records um, the district uh, never complied with that um, that order which dates to 1987 certainly there's no there's nothing in the files in Salem um, where you've got a, an engineer submitting um, inspection reports on a regular basis, and, and this is something we brought up with the, the dam safety officials. And certainly, there, you know, until our coalition got involved, the the dam, um, which is Eye Hazard Dam, um, did not have a, um, a functional uh, emergency action plan, which is required for all high hazard dams. Um, another thing happened in the 80s. Um, uh, regarding your question on the fish ladder, during that time, um, as the you know the threat of condemnation, condemnation was hanging over the dam, uh, it appears that the idea was that they would lease the dam to a hydropower, like a microhydro type company, um, who could then um, provide a revenue stream to the district so they could. Tear, eventually tear down the dam and build a new one and then satisfy the, the state dam safety officials' um, concerns. Um, the problem with that was, so they, that, that ladder, you know, they made improvements to the ladder uh, in the 80s. The, the current ladder dates to the 80s, and that, what's relevant about that is it doesn't meet current fish passage criteria uh, for safely passing fish uh, under under state Fish passes laws, um, mm -hmm. so it, it, it's a design that you know presents a lot of problems to fish from the very start. In that it's it's not in a great part of the river; it's off to the side of the river. Um, mm. It it has problems with attracting fish in because obviously there's a huge flow over the top of the dam, and there's large numbers of holes through the dam and under the dam. And so fish are attracted uh, to those holes. We've recorded, you know, multiple fish jumping uh, at these holes even before they reach the ladder. So the, the flow through the holes has been calculated at times by, you know, the Water Resources Department to be um, up to half the flow of the river is actually going through the dam as, to, uh, as opposed to going over the top of the dam. And then, mm -hmm. you know, if the river's got, you know, a 1,000 CFS like it is, is right now, 1,000 cubic feet per second, which is a drought flow, but still that's the lowest time of the year. You can think, well, 500 CFS of the, of the river may be actually passing through holes underneath the dam and, and through the dam's face. So these are, these are holes with flow that fish are attracted to. And like I said, we've, we've recorded a video of fish jumping at these, at these holes. And then the, the holes into the fish ladder, the entrances to the fish ladder, you know, they're at, you know, 47 CFS, 50 CFS. So, you know, the holes through the dam often dwarf the the, um, the fish ladder uh, attraction flows. So, attracting fish to the fish ladder is, is is tough enough. And then when they get in, there's problems because there's a hole in the dam right now that's gushing into the fish ladder. So, this is one of the larger holes in the dam, as far as we can tell. And fish 
jump at that hole is so big that, that it, it spans from inside the fish ladder to outside. So the fish approaching the, the fish ladder jump at that hole, uh, but there's also a hole gush, the, the same hole is gushing into the fish ladder, so it's dead ends in the fish ladder that, that attracts fish. And fish, even without that, have a tough enough time in that, in that ladder because it has, it has, you know, doesn't have, they don't really have a very good ability to adjust the flows in the ladder to maximize efficiency across different flows. Uh, they have lots of right angle turns. If you go down there, you know, pre-pandemic and, and hopefully post-pandemic, um, you'll see, you can see fish trying to jump out of the ladder. This is something that's regularly observed there and in case, you know, a poorly designed ladder. Who designed a poorly designed ladder? I mean, why was that even allowed to begin with, a poorly designed ladder? Well, the state has, has criteria for, you know, the proper design and operation of fish ladder. But there's a, there's a catch in the law in that you have to, you know, be updating your dam on a regular basis to trigger the state statutes that require you to update your fish ladder. So under normal circumstances, like if this dam was owned by, still owned by Pacificor, Pacificor would be repairing the dam and getting permits to repair the dam, you know, from the Army Corps so they could build a coffer dam, which is a coffer dam is a temporary dam you normally build out of like, you know, uh, bags filled with clean gravel that you place in the river uh, mm-hmm. so that you can isolate an area of the dam. And those, when you issue those kind of permits, the state is required in the law to do a fish passage review of your old ladder and to tell you you need to do X, Y, Z to update it. That hasn't been triggered at Winchester because they've been running the dam on the cheap and they've been running the dam without the benefit of engineering since at least the 90s where they've been repairing the dam um, using the crew of a logging company, um, and they haven't been getting uh, permits, and that, that really came to a head, which means that they're not taking measures to protect, you know, the fish, wildlife, and water quality of the river. So that came to a head in 2018 when they made a repair at the dam um, that, according to the Department of Environmental Quality, Included the drinking water supply of 37,700 people. They killed numerous fish, uh, and they and they violated state, you know, uh, water quality laws. And so they were issued a, a $53,000 fine that they're currently, you know, fighting uh, at the at the state level. Um, and so but, when we say they, we're talking about the landowners who live around the reservoir of the dam, upstream, just upstream from the dam. So all these expensive homes and such that are there are the ones who own the dam, and so they are the ones who are refusing to repair it and are objecting to the fines. Is that? Well, I wouldn't say they're refusing to repair it. They're just um, declining to repair it using appropriate engineering permitting uh, and, and following the regulations. So what happened in, in 2018 is they had been told in 2016 and 2017 that there was a, there was a hole underneath the south above and they didn't make repairs. I and mean, usually what you do if you, if you own a dam that has previously been condemned as a, as a public safety hazard and you got away with it being condemned by the skin of your teeth, if, if the dam safety officials come to you 
you know, and tell you two years in a row you've got a hole underneath your abutment, you might hire an engineer and have them do a survey of the dam and propose repair, repairs, including designs. And those designs you would submit to the appropriate agencies, like the Army Corps of Engineers and the Department of State Lands and Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. And in this case, because they're a listed coho, uh, protection under federal law in the river, you'd, you'd go talk to the National Marine Fisheries Service. None of this was done. Instead, what they did was um, they did what they've, they've always done, and, and there's the, the former uh, uh, president, longtime president of the district and current board member, uh, logging executive um, for a local company, went in and uh, built a cofferdam uh, and uh, and caused a huge pollution plume uh, in the river and then poured green concrete into the hole underneath the dam uh, while river water was flowing through that same hole. And it's, you know, the, the city <laughs> the city of Roseburg's water intake is only 50 feet downstream from this dam. So mm. it went right by the, the city water intake. I mean, they warned the city uh, beforehand uh, that they were going to be pouring green concrete into the river. But, again, you're not supposed to do that. That's not the procedure. I'm going to, you know, violate a bunch of laws. I'm going to tell the city that I, they're going to pollute their water. You're not allowed to do that. But they that's what they did. Uh, there's five miles downstream. There's another water intake down by the country club. So, um, so it's the uh, Umpqua, Umpqua Basin Water Association that serves, I'm reading from your fact sheet here, that serves about 37,000 people. So that's the city of Oh, Rosebud. no, that's not, that's not, that's not correct. The combined city, the city of Roseburg's water intake and the Umpqua Basin Water Association combined serve 37,700 people. Oh. And they're both downstream of the dam. One is 50 feet, one is five miles. 50 feet. Incredible. That's by Armacur Park, isn't it? Well, Armacur Park is 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 uh, further downstream than the city water intake. So if you go to the dam and you look just downstream, there's a box uh, right above the river. And that's the city of Roseburg water intake. So they polluted the city of Roseburg's water intake, and were they fined for that? Yeah. So the DQ and the Army Corps did an investigation uh, after that uh, pollution spill and fish kill, and DQ in January 2019 issued uh, a fine in excess of fifty thousand uh -huh. uh, dollars for the various violations that occurred during uh, that repair, um, that fine was fought by um, Juan Aragwin, the president of Basco Logging, or not, I'm sorry, he may not be the president of Basco Logging, but he's one of the executives. What's his name? Juan Aragwin. Okay. He's fighting that fine even now. Um, so initially, um, and he's the primary, he's been the primary contract for repairs of this dam since the 90s. So he's, uh, he's on the board of the district and he also does it does the contracts for for repair at the dam. So he was the one who was his company was the one that was fine Basco Logging as the contractor, and he's fighting. Initially, he he claimed that um, the state had no authority to um, to punish him for polluting the waters of the state, um, but that was rejected um, by the administrative law judge um, earlier this year, and now we're going to a full. Full hearing. So we've we've intervened in that Water Watch 
Steam Voters, uh, Umpqua Watersheds, uh, Oregon Wild, uh, and Native Fish Society intervened in that. I think that's all of it. We have a t in excess of 20 members of our coalition, fishing, conservation, whitewater groups, that are working to bring the, bring the rule of law to Winchester Dam. And subsets of that coalition are, are engaged in processes trying to bring accountability. So right now we have a federal lawsuit against harm against the, the district for the harm uh, caused to coho by the dam, coho listed on the Federal Endangered Species Act, and we have a um, that's a subset of the coalition that's uh, Steamboaters, Water Watch, and Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen Associations. That's a commercial fishing uh, trade group, and then we have the state process for the water quality violations, and we are interveners in that. And um, and that's a, a slightly larger group. Jim, we're going to have to take a break right here. We have been talking with Jim McCarthy, the Southern Oregon Program Director for Water Watch of Oregon. Uh, this is Conservation Today. I'm your host, Francis Etherington, and we'll be right back. We're back. Uh, this is Conservation Today. We are talking with Jim McCarthy from Water Watch of Oregon. Jim was talking about the Winchester Dam just north of Roseburg near Umpqua Community College at the Winchester exit. He's talking a little bit about the problems with the dam and the lawsuits involved in the dam and why the dam is very problematic and really needs to get fixed. Jim was uh, talking about the lawsuits that the dam is embroiled in. So there's two lawsuits going on. One is for the state fine, and the other is for killing fish. Is that right? Right. I wouldn't. I don't know if it would be, you can technically call the um, the one about the water quality a, a lawsuit. It's called a contested case. So when the state, you know, finds you for doing something like this, like polluting the drinking water supply of 37,500 people, you you have the opportunity to contest it. And so it's not exactly like a court case. I mean, eventually it could go to like the Oregon State Supreme Court, but right now it's in a, it's before an administrative judge. Uh, it's not a sure. it's not a lawsuit. The Endangered Species Act that's a lawsuit. So we did. You know, to back up, we did approach the um, the dam owners through ODFW um, a couple years ago with an offer to uh, provide a kind of owner's manual for the for the fish ladder. Um, we offered the you know ten thousand dollars worth of services from an engineer, and ODFW thought it was a good idea, and it went to the the dam owners and the dam owners. Uh, refused, but uh, after that, we did um, quite a bit of research about the dam and its its viability. It then came back to the to the to the district uh, early in 2020 and uh, offered to um, to remove the dam at little to no cost to the to the district. This is something that Water Watch has done. What an incredible time. offer to remove the dam at no expense to them. Wow. Well, that's a, it's an offer we've made many times to uh, a number of dam owners in the Rogue it, successfully. So it, there are state and federal 
funds available for high priority barriers to fish, meaning dams that have, you know, they're antiquated or even uh, obsolete and don't serve a function anymore. There, there are funds available. Uh, there's expertise available to take those dams out at little to no cost uh, to the owners. So, I mean. Yeah, and since the Winchester Dam only is for recreation of a few landowners upstream, and it's not really for the public good. Well, it doesn't have any public benefit. No, it doesn't provide any. It doesn't provide any water control or hydropower function or irrigation function. It stores water only to provide flat water recreation for its owners. But I want to finish the story about the about the, our approaches to the to the dam owners. So we approached them in a letter and let them know that we had this track record for doing this. I mean, basically, Water Watch is kind of unique in the state for providing this kind of turnkey service. You make a deal with us to remove your dam, right? If you've got a priority dam that's um, harming salmon and steelhead, you don't want any more, right? We will come in. We will uh, make a deal with you to raise the funding, assemble the technical team, uh, bring in engineering, uh, bring in permitting expertise, uh, bring in all the expertise that's needed and all the contractors that are needed to take you in approximately two years, two and a half years from signature to dam removal. And so we're able to do this because we've developed uh, these skills in the Rogue Basin uh, through the dam rules we've done down down here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we then we offered that, and our offer still stands to the landowners around the district. And then I further, after that letter, which was um, before it was re- rejected, the coalition decided to also send a letter and just indicate that they supported this approach. And so uh, we had uh, 14 or 15 local, regional, and statewide conservation groups sign on and said that they were all ready to go beat the bushes to raise funds to remove that dam at little to no cost to landowners. And that was rejected outright. And then after that, that's when we proceeded to um, to a lawsuit because there's a number of problems with this dam. And, again, I want to make clear, it's not just the fish ladder. There's a large number of holes in the dam that attract fish so fish could swim in, into the dam and, and find dead ends and injure, kill themselves in there. They're going to be delayed by that, too, going to be exhausted by that. There, um, There's holes underneath the dam. Um, we've already documented fish being delayed, jumping against the holes. Fish also jump at what's called the OG face. is a face on the concrete abutment that kind of looks like the profile of a Liberty Bell. Fish jump against that. So if you go down there when fish are moving, you can see fish jump again and again and smack on the concrete on that OG face on the on the south side of the dam. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a rock ledge all along the north half of the river there. So I want to be very clear with folks. There's a big rock ledge there that's very shallow, and underneath that water there, you know, which is you know, some places it seems to be only like a foot deep or less. There's there's like some poured concrete. There's pieces of metal sticking up, and then there's there's bedrock, and fish fall from a height of 14 or 15 feet. So if you got out migrating baby fish, they're they're coming over that dam. They're dropping onto that rock ledge. You've got mm-hmm. you've got adult fish trying to come upstream. They're jumping. They're jumping into the false traction that flows there. They're falling on that rock ledge. Um, that's where the fish ladder is. Also, it's a, it you know, North Umpqua is famed for being a steelhead river. 
what are steelhead famous for? They're, they're famous for going up and down the river again and again. So they go, they go down, you know, when they're young, they go to the ocean, they get big, they come back. And then they go back out to the river, they go back out to the ocean, and then they come back. And so the, 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 we have, we have footage of adult fish f- falling off the top of the dam and hitting this, this rock ledge as well. So this, this is a major source of, of injury and likely death for fish, this rock ledge. What the dam needs is a, you know, a, a plunge pool to minimize this kind of injury. There's some depth on the south side of the dam, but there's, there's, there's no, there's no depth on the north side of the dam because of the rock ledge. So just, you know, when you go to the dam and you hear the sound of that dam hitting that rock ledge, that's the sound of fish being injured and killed. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be clear with everyone, this, this dam has a myriad of problems, not just water quality, not just the fish ladder, uh, not just the public safety issues. Just the, the way the dam was built and where it was built is a, is a major problem for fish. And, 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 and there's 160 miles of high quality habitat upstream of that dam. So there, this is, uh, this is the second highest ranked, uh, privately owned dam in the state for fish passage correction by Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. So it's an incredibly high priority for the state for fish passage correction. The state, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, has sent three letters in three years asking the district to repair known issues on the dam related to, that caused delay uh, and injury uh, to fish. And you'd be very hard-pressed to find a privately owned dam that impacts a larger Number of miles of high-quality habitat in the state. There just there just aren't any dams that that impact a, a river of, of this value and a river uh, with this amount of of habitat across uh, so many species of, of salmon steelhead. And um, wow. so that's why it's been a, a major focus uh, of this coalition. Why there's so many groups uh, that are focused on it, and then why we spent uh, such an effort over over so many years to try to reach the land the, the dam owners. And have them consider these options because at the end of the day, it's 190. I mean, it's a 130-year-old dam, mm-hmm. well past its design life. They're either going to maintain it lawfully going forward, which is going to be a lot more expensive than what they've been doing for the last since the 1990s, or they're, or they're going to remove it. Um, and if they want to remove it, they can remove it at little to no cost to the to the landowners and be and be done with this. But line, apparently so, they're doing but, neither. But apparently they're doing neither, and and that's why you are suing them. Are you suing them? Well, they're being dragged along to it. I mean, so we, they did, they did. I mean, any of these things is, seems to be taking an incredibly long uh, period of time. Right? They were asked in August of of 2019 by the state uh, dam safety officials uh, to conduct a, a comprehensive structural inspection of the dam because the dam hadn't been hadn't received that kind of comprehensive structural inspection since 1987 um, and they also were asked to update their emergency action plan which again had not been updated since 1987 and so the district has has delayed and delayed action on we keep we keep on pressuring state officials to demand more action sooner so just recently um, the district agreed to um, update its emergency action plan, at least the, the, some of the text parts, by you know January of this year, and and some of that was handed in. But there's still parts of that plan that are not completed. They require 
uh, engineering expertise, which uh, they're going to do in October. Again, they were asked to inspect the dam in August uh, of 2019. They still haven't inspected uh, the dam uh, with with a professional engineer. We understand now that they they've agreed to kind of to finish up that inspection in 2022. So um, there's a lot of uh, delay that's going that's going on here. And, and then and then the, the the you know OEFW has has asked them you know for three years running to repair you know just some of the most obvious and glaring issues of the dam. And right now there's exposed rebar and eroded concrete or fish jump, um, and obviously holes to the dam that are gushing. And so the district has put up um, rubber salvaged conveyor belt material. Um, as you may know, most types of commercial rubber contain chemicals known to be lethal to coho, but they've been putting this up on the dam. You know, the ODFW has been asking them to put in more permanent durable repairs. These These rubber mats keep falling off the dam. Most recently, in January, I went down to the dam and saw the mats had fallen off, and I notified ODFW, who then again sent another letter asking for comprehensive repairs uh, uh, to, to known areas uh, of the dam that are causing delay and injury uh, to fish. So there, there's a lot of um, foot dragging uh, going on. They're, they're claiming poverty at times. We've got an absolutely spectacular river and a yeah. completely shabby dam, you shouldn't be allowed to put off your repairs such that you you harm a river that benefits so many people. If you've got a spectacular river, you've got to have a spectacularly maintained dam or you've got to take it out. And so, you know, our our push as a coalition has been to bring the rule of law back to the dam because uh, they've been able to avoid uh, regulation on this dam and even they were able to uh, evade uh, condemnation uh, of the dam uh, in the 80s. This is a dam that, that's, that's outlived its useful life. So it needs it needs constant repair just because it's old. It's like it's older than <laughs> it's older yeah. than Model T. So you imagine if you're still driving your Model T and trying to drive it at highway speed, uh, but you're not you're not actually going to a mechanic uh, when you're when you're repairing your Model T. Uh, you're you're going to run into some real problems, and you're going to you know you're going to kill yourself, or you're going to kill others with that model T. Well, right now this dam's killing fish, and it's hurting everybody in Douglas County and everybody that depends on the on the North Umpqua. Like I said, when you go down to that dam and you hear the water hitting that that ledge, you're hearing the sound of a fish death. Uh, every spring, there's little baby fish going over that dam, all times of the day, falling from 14 feet onto a rock ledge on the north side of that dam. And it's not a small ledge. It's 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 long. I mean, it's it's basically half half the river. This dam is like a tax on all the runs, right? There's a percentage of the runs of every run that's being harmed by um, this dam. So what does that mean? That means that the the good years aren't as good, and the and the bad years are even worse. And as we go into climate change, where we have more and more impacts, we have wildfires like we've seen so terrible in our region. We have Heat waves. We have ocean acidification makes with the ocean is harder on the fish. These are yeah. fish that you know that are integral to our our way of life in Oregon. They're right. they're they they've built our identity. They've built our our cities on the on the coast. Fish are the things that we want to hold on to. So we, like I said, maintained the same kind of uh, that's commensurate with the with the the value of the North Umpqua River. 
or it should be removed. And again, it falls on the district to do this because their dam doesn't provide any public benefit. It doesn't provide right. uh, hydropower. It doesn't provide water storage. It's a, it provides private water storage for private motorized recreation. I understand the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, the ODFW, maintains and operates the dam through an easement process. No, no, they don't. That's not correct. They oh. they operate the fish ladder. The fish ladder through through an easement. So that means they have a counting station where they count fish. But again, they they their budget cuts means that it's mostly done by camera and they look at the camera afterwards and then they when they sit when i say they maintain the fish ladder what i mean is and we did a public records request for this so we asked what what is your operational system for maintaining this fish ladder and they we got three sheets of paper that it was one of them looked like they've been drawn on the back of a napkin so they have two options for this dam ladder they have high flow and low flow and then they had another sheet that had bullet points and it, it's not a it's not a system so we went to them and said well, you know we can we have a whole bunch of groups that want to donate $10,000 to hire an engineer to come up with an owner's manual so that you can maximize the efficiency of this dam, dam's ladder, uh, cross flow. They said, great, we'll approach the, the owner because we don't have – we initially thought that ODFW owned the ladder outright. That was what ODFW actually thought when we started talking to him about it uh, back in the day. He was like, do you own this ladder? And they said, yeah, we think we own this ladder. They said, okay, well, let's see if we can make it work better. And then they turned around and went to their real estate office and they said, oh, actually, you know, it turns out we have an easement, so we're going to have to ask permission of uh, the landowners. And the landowners said no. Why offer, well, I, I, I don't know. I think they, they sent us a letter saying that they thought that we were being subversive and that we wanted to get into the ladder for the purposes of surveying the dam for removal, which, again, I mean, we don't need to go into the ladder to do that. I mean, it's a mystery to me why they would why they would turn that down, but they – they did, and I think, and again, the, com the combination of the fact that they turned down the offer and then they have repeatedly delayed making comprehensive repairs on the dam through use of a qualified engineer. An engineer actually does, you know, uh -huh. dam repairs. I mean, one of the crazy things about the 2018 repair, okay, is Army Corps was asking, do you have an engineer for this, for this repair? And they're saying, yeah, we're going out and trying to find engineers. Well, they didn't ask a single, as far as I can tell from the public documents that have come through, the correspondence to the Army Corps, they didn't know an engineer qualified to work on dams. And if you've owned a dam since 1969 and you don't have the number of a single dam engineer in your Rolodex, that indicates a real problem, especially if your dam is on the North Umpqua River, right. one of the most spectacular rivers in the Pacific Northwest, and you don't even know a professional dam repair person. You don't even know an engineer. Again, Engineers are the entry into all these other things. You get an engineer, you get a survey, you get design, you get engineering, then you go to a permitting. All engineers are trained to do all these things. It gives you a much better chance than when you repair the dam. You're not going to degrade aquatic habitat. You're not going to kill fish. You're not going to pollute public water supplies because you have an engineer doing the work. What happened instead was they came in, said, we're going to do this repair. ODFW and National Marine Fisheries Service gave them a long list of things they should do, and they ignored them. And instead, they just poured green cement uh, upstream from the Roseburg water intake. The, yes. the law. Okay, I have another question about the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. They have an easement to maintain the fish ladder at Winchester Dam. Yeah. And, and so th this is an easement from the home. Not to maintain it. Not to maintain it, to operate it. So the fish ladder is is uh, 
you know, is just one in the long list of problems for fish. Fish are coming to this dam, and they're trying to swim up into holes in the dam. They're jumping against the face of the dam. They're falling on concrete. They're, they're, they, they approach the dam typically from the south side, and they have hundreds of, you know, they have like 300 feet of, of uh, eroded concrete and, and rebar and uh, bolts yeah. sticking out of the, the – and that's before they even get to the fish ladder. There's all these other problems at the dam that mean that if you built a brand new fish ladder, and again, you're building a 130-year-old dam that's already been condemned once. Right. Are you fixing the problem? No. You, right. What you need to do is you need to have a comprehensive solution to the whole dam. And are you fixing the problem with the rock ledge? No. Are you yeah, fixing yeah. the problem with the holes for the dam? No. Are you okay. fixing the problem with the fact that they haven't hired a professional engineer to do repairs on this dam since 1990? No. What about... Pacific lamprey, are they impacted by this whole? Yes. Lamprey, there's Ralph Lampman, who now, I believe, works as a biologist for a tribe. He has master's on, at, at OSU, on uh, lamprey interactions at Winchester. So that's available oh. online. But, yeah, there's a number of lamprey problems at the dam. One is, obviously, all these holes in the dam, the, you know, the, the lamprey who are migrating, you know, with their faces sucking on surfaces. When they drew the dam down for repairs in 09, he, you know, was plucking lamprey out of these holes in the dam face. Uh, so these big holes in the dam face, the fish approach the dam. They crawl into these holes thinking this flow is leading them upriver. It's really just leading them into a dead end of the dam. And so there's these, there are apparently these, these, quite these collections of lamprey sitting inside the dam just waiting for better things to, to happen. And then there's the issue of uh, of the reservoir pool. So the reservoir pool concentrates uh, sediments, you know, uh, lamprey amicetes, you know, young lamprey, very simply. Mm-hmm. They live in these amb- amicetes until they grow older and become what people normally recognize as a lamprey. Mm-hmm. And so the dam is repaired once every three to five years, again, not by a professional engineer, but the traditional method of repairing this dam has been to just open the gates at the south abutment. There's just two gates that they can roll up like garage doors there and let the reservoir out. So what that does is dewaters and kills off huge numbers of young lamprey. Oh, wow. um, it's a major problem for lamprey. And then they, there's all these young, young lamprey in the reservoir sediments. And so you can look at these documents, you know, where ODFW is just, you know, in the, two, in the uh, 2013 uh, drawdown, that was the last big drawdown of the dam, you know, ODFW is just running around desperate to pull up these lamprey, mm. and, you know, they're setting up sprinklers so the lamprey didn't die. But, yeah, it causes mass mortality mm-hmm. of lamprey. And so that's, again, they've never gotten permits, right, for, this, for these repairs. So what does it mean when you open up that, those reservoir gates? The past... Local newspaper reports of the repairs have described second by second the drawdown process, you know, in great detail where they describe silt gushing out of those gates as the reservoir is drawn down. Well, that's dumping sediment and, you know, downstream mm-hmm. on essential salmonid habitat. The entire dam is, is entirely within essential salmonid habitat, state mm-hmm. designated and federally designated critical uh, cohabitat. So you're not you're not allowed to just dump sediment onto essential salmon habitat. This is just wash that stuff downstream. 
Um, and so, you know, going forward, we want that activity to be regulated properly. Tell me a little bit about the lawsuit for the dam operation. Who are you suing? When did you sue? And when are we going to hear anything about it? So, we, like I said, we first offered to help shore up the ladder a little bit. That was rejected. Then we offered to take out the dam, a little no cost to them. That was rejected. And then some months after that, uh, in the summer of last year, we sent them a, what's called a 60-day notice of intent to sue. Uh, and then that passed. And so we we went and filed a complaint uh, in federal court in November, and we don't have a, a hearing date, but that process um, is continuing and that was the water control district of the dam. And that's who you sent the 60-day notice to sue to. And that's right. Another... They own the dam and they own the land underneath the abutment. So. Okay, Jim, we're almost out of time. What else would you like to tell me about this dam? Yeah, we're we're proceeding to try to bring accountability and the rule of law to, to this dam and to its operations so that the harm it's causing stops. And that's either going to be through maintenance that's commensurate with the value of the river and appropriate for protecting the incredible resources in North Umpqua, which clearly has not taken place. Every day this dam is harming fish and they have to, they have to stop. Or, you know, the dam can be removed at little to no cost to the landowners and that, that liability and that, that, that repair burden will be removed through, you know, programs that have been shown again and again to fund and and successfully achieve dam removal to benefit uh, salmon and steelhead. Thank you, Jim. In the podcast description, I'll put in a link to the Winchester Dam fact sheet and to the Water Watch uh, site so people can see how to join Water Watch. Yes, uh, please join us by visiting our website at www waterwatch.org. There's a button even on the homepage uh, where you can join and you can uh, get updates on our work. There's also a number of other organizations that are uh, that are involved in this effort. Uh, I encourage folks to join them as well. You know, Native Fish Society, Steamboaters, Umpqua Watersheds, Oregon Wild, North Umpqua Foundation. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for speaking with us today. Thank you, Francis. Take care. We have been talking with Jim McCarthy, Southern Oregon Program Director for Water Watch of Oregon. This is Conservation Today. I'm your host, Francis Etherington, and we'll be back soon. Out in the wild where the water runs clean, it's clear and cold and the mountain streams. I saw a flash of a fin and a shiny gleam. I said, that's not a fish, it's a submarine. He's a big fat fish, big and bold. A big fat fish, he likes his water cold. He's a big fat fish, a swimming about. A big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trout. He 
got an appetite Throw the whale to shame I'll eat fish or ducks or a bug chow mein There's a tidal wave when he wiggles his tail If you ain't that boy, he'd break your scale He's a big fat fish, a big and bold A big fat fish, he likes his water cold He's a big fat fish, a swimming about A big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trap These are wild rivers and I think it's clear Lots of trees both far and near They keep the water cool and give it shade When he's splashing there he's got it made He's a big fat fish, a big and bold A big fat fish, he likes his water cold He's a big fat fish, a swimming about A big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trout Trout is one of a kind, search high and low, but you never find a mighty fish like him. A six alive, I keep it wild, and he will survive. He's a big fat fish, a big and bold, a big fat fish, he likes his water cold. He's a big fat fish, a swimming about, a big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trout. He's a big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trout. He's a big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trout.